Three, two, one. <coughs> Refresh. 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 It's a podcast. It's a podcast. Podcast for those bold enough. Bold enough. Bold enough to radically rethink. How we teach. Learn and achieve. Don't come back and bother us. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's good. Hey everybody, welcome to our next episode of Refresh. Um, Amanda and JD here recording from the front seat of my car. (laughs) In this episode, we are not the hosts. And the topic isn't really about education. But this is a really special episode because you are going to hear from an educator at Polaris Charter Academy. Hi there. So I am Melissa Odema, one of the founding teachers at Polaris Charter Academy. Where we have been working with students on their podcast, Voices for Change, to hear a little bit about expeditionary learning and why it's such a powerful tool in in getting students to feel empowered about their educations. And the last episode of Refreshed, uh, you got to hear a little bit from the students at Polaris uh, after they had a chance to interview all of their guests about how they can create real change in their community. And today we're excited to bring you the best of clips um, from that project, Voices for Change. So check it out. Enjoy. We are an expeditionary learning school on the west side of Chicago, uh, where the kids learn experientially project-based learning, solving real-world problems. The project that we just wrapped up was a project um, that culminated from a year-long study in history where, with their social studies teacher, kids dove into different parts of history and learned about individuals and how they affected change in their time and place. And so the kids were able to pull out qualities of people that affect change and um, methods to affect change and really start to grow that understanding in themselves. Towards the end of this, started studying Ferguson and started hearing about different situations across the country. The problem in Baltimore with Freddie Gray's arrest happened, and the kids were getting really worked up about the inequality that they felt was happening with racial profiling and the relationships between police and African Americans and building on their understanding of how you know people throughout history have really affected change and their belief that children can be part of making change that they've grown while they're during their time here at Polaris they really wanted to do something about it and they were exposed to podcasts a little bit throughout the year and latched on to this idea of hey we could do that like we want to create a podcast like how can we make this happen um, our head of school had a connection that then connected us with JD and Amanda here um, who served as experts and came in and trained our kids in and how to be hosts and how to be editors and how to be producers. And the kids really the kids really wanted to get stories told and deepen their understanding about it. One of the things that the kids really learned and internalized through this was just this whole idea of stereotypes. And I think it became evident for them at first that like, oh, the police are stereotyping the people that they're interacting with and having all these problems with. And as the kids internalized that deeper, they realized that they were also stereotyping the police. And so they had ideas that all police were like this. And and there was this one moment I remember when one of our students, Amaya, was like, you know, like if they're doing this to us and we're doing this to them, like we really need to get to know each other because it's not just about telling the story and deepening our understanding. Like we need to be able to build that bridge. And I think I work at an EL school because of my belief in kids needing to learn this way. Um, But it really, really reinforced just the importance of being hands-on and learning technical skills that 
they could latch onto and carry forth in their life. Um, also, just the power that comes to students, like the sense of the feeling of empowerment that they feel when they accomplish things like this and when they do feel heard and when they do feel like the word that they are getting out there is being valued by other people in the community, including adults. And I think one of our students, Laron, said it best with, you know, people have stereotype of us being kids that like we can't do this kind of stuff. And, and that is a stereotype. And we just broke that. Can you introduce yourself? My name is Chris Taliaferro. I am the alderman-elect of the 29th Ward in the city of Chicago. Yeah, my name is John Vergara. I'm an artist muralist here in Chicago. My name is Robin Alexander. I am the office manager at Pilar's Charter Academy. My name is Pete Kalenick, and I'm a police officer with the Chicago Police Department. My name is Vonzo Hayden. I'm a former student at Pilar's. Now I go to uh, Roe Clark. Can you define stereotypes in your own words? Stereotyping is, is where you take a person or a group of people and you make a judgment about them based on uh, some particular factor or characteristic about that group as a whole. Uh, for example, uh, you can make a stereotype about, uh, about a person based on his race, uh, based on their weight, their size, their age, um, it's basically making a judgment about someone without knowing them. To me, a stereotype is an opinion that someone has made based on what they see in uh, in other people. Like, for instance, because I'm black, people may develop a stereotype because I'm black. Someone may think that I'm lazy because I'm black. Someone may think that I'm not educated because I'm black. So those are stereotypes, and people form them based on sometimes their fear or their insecurity or just the fact that they don't understand. Well, I think stereotype is like a popular belief that you have on other individuals or a group of people or a different form of uh, communities. Have you experienced being stereotyped by anyone? Yeah, yeah, I get stereotyped all the time. It's just not like it used to happen. It always happens. Um, even as, I'm, as an adult, it happens. Um, a lot of people, when they first meet me or they hear about me, they 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 expect to see me with a, a long, twisty mustache and and an art palette with some brushes and a little red hat, you know. But when they see me, they're like, "Oh wow, um, you're you're an artist." It's like they stereotype me into me not being an artist. They think I'm something else, security guard or something or whatever. When I went to high school, this was a really long time ago. When I started high school, I was in a class of only 100 girls and 1,400 boys. I was also in a very small percentage of African-American. There were 5% African-American and 95% of Caucasian. Again, people not understanding that you're different and why you're different. There were times that we would have to leave school early because we were being threatened by the Caucasian students there. The police have had to be called. They had vandalized some students' vehicles. All this because, to me, because they were afraid and they did not understand African Americans. There has been a lot of crimes against African Americans by police officers and causes like Eric Gardner in New York, Michael Brown in Ferguson, and Freddie Gray in Baltimore. What is your opinion of those situations? And they're, they're terrible. Uh, we do have to make a change in the culture of policing. For example, in Chicago also, 
statistically, every time you do a traffic stop or every time a police officer does a traffic stop in the city of Chicago, that has to be recorded. Um, you put the, the, the race of the person that you've recorded. And statistically, it has been shown uh, very recently that an overwhelming number of the traffic stops in the city of Chicago are on young African-Americans. So maybe they're being stereotyped um, before they're even pulled over. Uh, I think we need to change the culture of policing so that we're not pulling over people based on a race or based on stereotypes. Um, specifically, specifically those cases you, you just named, uh, they're, they're terrible. It's unfortunate, but it's been happening before all of this started getting out in the public is due to uh, like things like Facebook and phones, cameras on your phones now. Now you could see it more, um, but it's been happening since I can remember. You know, There's nothing really new. I think it is a problem across America. I think that police in Baltimore through a pattern of not trusting those citizens, but they also have a hard job. They have to protect themselves. People are out there trying to do them harm on a daily basis. It's hard to make that split-second decision on whether to fight back or to move back and not add to the circle of violence that's there. Uh, but at the end of the day, there needs to be better communication, more transparency, both on the police and citizen side, for there to be a coexistence and to create the change we need for everyone to feel safe. Protests like the ones in Ferguson and Baltimore, the way to go about affecting lasting change in our community? There is some positive change that you can bring. Well, there's some positive things and positive ways that you can protest. Uh, those, those ways aren't getting the media, media coverage, especially in Baltimore right now. Uh, whenever you protest, uh, and it's not, not actually even called a protest, when you're looting and causing damage and destruction to property and you're harming people, um, that's not a protest. That's a riot, and that's illegal. Protests uh, and, and peaceful protests, that's a really good way to bring about change. But unfortunately, the people that are peacefully protesting in Baltimore or that were peacefully protesting didn't get the media attention. So we also need to change the culture of our media as well to not sensationalize rioting, but to sensationalize peaceful protest. Protests are good. You know, if you're going to voice your opinion, but rioting is a totally different thing. I think rioting is kind of kind of childish. I think protests are a good way to affect change. However, the way that they're protesting is not. If you have one violent situation, you don't help it by creating another violent situation. Those people are destroying their communities, which takes a long time to build a community by looting and setting fires and that's not the right way to go about it because in essence they're going to be hurting themselves where are they going to go to get their groceries now where are they going to go to get their gas now how are they going to get there so i i believe that protests peaceful protests can affect change but not the violent protests absolutely as a law enforcement officer i've i know the circumstances surrounding both baltimore and ferguson individually as a member of the chicago police department um, I can say that the emotions that folks have associated with each of those instances are absolutely real and valid. Citizens reacted emotionally, as a lot of people do when they've been given very little chance to better themselves. Um, I just read an article recently that said out of all the major cities in America, Baltimore has the least opportunity for people to grow. 
And so when you don't have a lot of opportunity, people react emotionally. It's not logical. Now, whether you think riots are good or bad or what happens when, within riots are good or bad, it's definitely made Baltimore a focal point. I do think it makes sense to bring to address these issues in the city, but I don't think it makes sense to hurt your own citizens with your with your rioting to get your point across. Can you tell us about any violence or stereotypes that you've seen happening in our community? Well, I see it every day. Um, go on my way to work, uh, driving around with, uh, with with the kids that I work with. Uh, I. I, I you see the kids getting they're they're put on the hoods of police cars just because they're wearing baggy jeans or they're african american or or hispanic you see it all the time well most of the time they're not even taken into custody they're just searched for no apparent reason just because of the way they look there's not a lot of violence in my community per se however there is a lot of violence i mean there are a lot of um drug activities in my community. One of the ways that I step up and take a role or play a part in it um, to affect the change is letting those people know that, hey, I see you and this is unacceptable in my neighborhood. We don't want you here. So I'll take down the license place number. I will call the police station and report it. So those are things that I'm doing. Like I'm not going to go up and just confront them because I don't know if they have a weapon on them or anything like that. So you have to use your brain as well. You can't just cuss somebody because, you know, you don't, you never know the mindset that they're in, but there are ways that you can make your voice heard. And one of the ways, like I said, in my community is, and getting my neighbors involved as well, getting my neighbors involved. Hey, if you see this activity out here, call the police, report it. So somebody can do something. Too many of our children are being gunned down. Too many of our children, they don't even get to see 21. They don't even, they don't plan for anything past 18 because they don't even know if they're going to be alive. So as parents and as grandparents and as guardians and as adults in the community, that's what you can do. You can talk to those young people and let them know, hey, there is another way. There is another way. We've been asked, how can someone affect change? Now we have the privilege of asking someone else. So how do you think one person can affect change? Just stay in school, stay focused, and, be, and, stay, and, and, and surround yourself with positive people. You know, we have to keep our community engaged. And, and what I mean by engaged, uh, they have to attend uh, CAPS meetings. And a CAPS meeting is basically where the community comes together and talk to the police officers about the problems in their neighborhoods. Uh, attending those um, just being involved in the community um, and letting the police officers know what's going on in the community is a good way to start rebuilding that relationship between the police and the people in the community. I think one person can affect change by being vocal and not staying not staying under the status quo. If there is an issue or a problem and one person doesn't open their mouth about it or doesn't try to address it, uh, then nothing will change. The only thing that will stay constant is the path that we are on. Uh, so I'm able to at least start that change. And so I think being vocal about what you see and what you do is probably the best way to start change. Figure out what you love and you get a plan to do it every day. You figure out what you hate and you try to fix it.
Thank you again for being here for our podcast. You are taking a step into making our future a better place. My group and I appreciate you for that. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the invite. Thank you very much. Oh, you're more than welcome. Thank you again, sir. Come to our podcast. We are so excited to continue working with students again next year on a new topic, so stay tuned to hear more about that. For a special inside look on what students uh, were thinking about the project, um, Amanda and I have uh, put up a blog post uh, with some of our favorite quotes from the post Voices for Change survey that we gave to all students. You are not going to want to miss out on those, so be sure to visit our site at refreshed.us. Keep Keep learning! learning. (laughs) Jeez. <laughs>